Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Infuse Your Future podcast, where we bring together people and ideas who are making the world a better place. I'm your host, Dr. C. And today we have a special guest on our show for a number of reasons. First, it's our first author that we're interviewing on the show. And second, it's our first Future Friday podcast, which I'm excited about. And third, it's my husband. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Harish Prasnani. Welcome, Harish. Hi, welcome. Oh, thank you. (laughs) See, I'm already nervous in front of my wife. Okay, so why don't you spend a little time telling us a bit about yourself and what it is you do in the world? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm happy to be here. I'm a technologist by profession. I've had a 25 plus year career dedicated to bridging the gap between technology and its users. I'm an engineer and a computer scientist and also have good training in business. I've worked at some forward-thinking organizations such as IBM, Price Waterhouse Coopers, and recently Gilead Sciences. And recently I've been diving deep into artificial intelligence. That's I think in a nutshell on the personal side you might already know because you're listeners to Carla's podcast. We, uh, we have two kids, son and a daughter, and a um, delightful golden retriever, English white golden retriever. Um, and I like learning a lot. That's kind of my entertainment. Besides that, uh, I think we'll we'll take it from here, I guess. Okay, thanks for the, that introduction. I believe that you have just published a book called Chat GPT Demystified. So I know that Chat GPT is quite popular right now. It's all a buzz everywhere. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your book. Why did you decide to write it? What is your interest in Chat GPT? Why it and why now? So I'll just step back a little bit. I've always wanted to write and I was pretty good at English when I was growing up. And I always wrote before this, uh, I would dabble in small poems or stories, but never got to officially do it uh, except for being the editor for my school magazine for a year. Uh, Fast forward, I, you know, after my job, I wanted, I was looking at different things, but also fun things. So I decided to just uh, double click on my past passion for writing. And I ended up writing some children's books under a different, under a non-diploma. And three are published, many more on the way, and most of them have human illustrations except the first one. In the first one, I used artificial intelligence. I was a techie. I've spent all my career in technology, and I started researching about artificial intelligence more than I had encountered in my job. I was a digital lead, so I knew a lot about it, but not in terms of uh, impact to the wider world. I was more concerned about what, how it impacted my company and so on, and that too in a startup fashion because we were not there yet as a company. So once I came across all of this, I started going deeper, became my small passion project on the side and started doing something about ChatGPT. 
so essentially it is in general right um to me it's a inflection point in human development to be you know i'm trying to be less philosophical but i do feel that it is a remarkable movement people call it it's an iphone mo- moment but it's much beyond that it is revolutionary as much as iphone but much more than that because uh, it's cheaper easier and it's much more powerful and then during during this time i also used chat gpt for other things for many things i i was very impressed with the way this technology has progressed just last year it was not there in terms of the general availability it was very advanced 10 years ago i used to work in ibm and they had come up with the watson computer people might be aware of which defeated the jeopardy rating champion it's it was almost 15 years ago so the technology was powerful enough then but there is key differences between that era and this era which started about 6 or 10 6 or 8 years ago so we can go deeper into that but essentially that's the genesis of this batch of artificial intelligence uh, and if needed i can explain more uh, why this is so transformative but in that process i discovered that people know about it because of the hype people are excited about it but many people are afraid of it because whenever people talk about artificial intelligence the first thing that comes to mind is a movie like terminator or science fiction and in my book i mentioned why it is not that at, at yet and uh, it has the potential but it's not there yet and you know i'm i'm an eternal optimist so i don't think it'll ever get there because of the way i think about the technology and because of the way it will evolve it may become part of us not against us but that's something to be discussed in the broader topic so yeah i i saw there was a lot of misunderstanding or uh with people so i thought thought this is so useful and people should not have a barrier especially at this stage where it is so benign they can you know transform their lives using it so i decided to write a book to simplify it it's in, it's a simple book it's a, essentially a guide a user guide but i have broken it down from start to finish with 20 of examples so normal people can just pick up the book and and understand it and start using it one more factor and i'll just stop at that is i looked around and i pretty much every single book i came across was more about how you can get rich quick or the similar kind of messaging that you know you don't have to work hard and you can just pick it up and then you next day you will be rich that kind of a thinking and ultimately you have to put in the work that's where i'm coming from the hey learn it like any other tool and then use it to the best of your needs i'll stop there <laughs> all right well one of the things you said was you feel like chat gpt can help improve people's lives so can you tell us a little bit about what are what are the benefits of it and how specifically can it improve the lives of a regular people that are not techies essentially you have the world at your fingertips in the language you know in the way you talk so it's is the most is the easiest tool that you can use with the widest impact that it can have so for anyone be it a scientist a student a doctor you know a child if the parents allow access that 
they can use their language, their level of understanding, and just converse. It's a conversational interface. And essentially- Let me ask you, do you have a real world example? Say I'm a teacher. Yeah. And I've just heard about chat GPT. Mm-hmm. What's chat GPT gonna do for me? How am I gonna be able to use that in the real world yeah. um, to improve my life? Right. So at the most basic level, you can think of anything tedious you do. You can ask it to do it as if it was your assistant, as if a real person was sitting next to you, which won't complain to you, which will listen to you without any bad feedback. You just ask it to do something. For example, if you're a teacher, you ask the, you give some initial information that this is what I do and this is the lesson I'm doing in the class and can you create a lesson plan for me? Or uh, based on the knowledge you have, can you create a quiz for me? You can then tell the assistant, make the quiz harder because my students are in high school and I teach another class, same topic, but you know, fifth graders, can you make the quiz which is appropriate for the fifth graders? You can ask it to exclude certain things. You can ask it to make it funny you can ask it to, to make it sound as if it was from Shakespeare. So because it has so much context and training, it can adapt and predict the next words based on the instructions so that they appear as if Shakespeare wrote them, so that they appear as if fifth grader expects them. So it's essentially, that's one small, very small example. Um, the simplest example you could think of where you can just give it to generate some text. So you basically use it as a personal assistant. Yes, that's the ba- most basic. There's much more you can do, which I have described a bit, bit briefly. And if you have a chance, we can go through in this podcast. But yeah, and I, and I think you go and I think you go over it much more in detail in your book, mm-hmm. uh, but in an easy to understand way. Um, yeah, if I, if I can explain my book the way I designed it, because I've been in the computer industry for twenty five years. And majority of my time was spent with the early mentoring I got with some great mentors is technology is just a tool set. As long as you understand the human problem you're trying to solve, you'll be okay. So I've always put myself in the middle of humans and technology so I can make it easier for them. So take the burden of the technical jargon myself and then translate it to them. I, I think what I was, I was trying to get at is like if I'm a teacher, I can use it as a personal assistant to help me write quizzes or lesson plans or things like that. And that you just, you go in more detail about the book. So if I'm a teacher and I want to find out more about it, I can buy your book and I will put the link to, to your book in my show notes. So if you're interested in checking it out, just go right down to my show notes. And I think uh, what what I was getting to, by the way, I just remembered that uh, I was trying to describe the way I've structured the book so it's easy for everyone. Oh, there's three sections in the book and then the conclusion and quiz and so on. The first section, I start off very simple explanation, couple of pages on what it actually means, similar to what I've tried to describe on this podcast in simple terms. Then how to access it? That's the simplest thing someone would ask first. I've provided direct links and so on. And I've then started describing more than what people know, right? But focus focusing on the simpler portions and 
you know, describing other things so that people know that there is much more that can be done. For example, most people don't know there are almost five ways to access it, but people only know this one way where they can, you know, get access to the site and open a prompt window where you have a text box, you can chat with it. But then there is something called a playground, which gives you an ability to control granular nuances of ChatGPT. If you want it to be more creative, or if you want it to be very deterministic, you can change all of those things. If you want to see probabilities of how it's calculating everything, you can see that. If you want to see how it's figuring out the questions, you can see that the programming behind it. So there's, that is accessible to every user through the playground. So I've explained it to an extent that you know it's enough, but not too deep so that people don't get you know, intimidated by that. Then there's a phone app, which was just released. Previously, there were third parties which were interfacing with ChatGPT, providing that interface. Now it's from the same company. And I should mention that company is OpenAI and I have a huge bit of admiration for that company and I can go into some details there too. Then there is uh, other ways to access ChatGPT where you can write a program and call it. So it can assist you in extending the power of your programming. Or it can call other programs, which are called plugins, where you can, and they are they've been recently released, which are pieces of programs that OpenAI, the company, approves to be used with ChatGPT. So when you do use ChatGPT, let's say you have a program which lets you read PDFs. So you can give it a link of a thousand page PDF that you want to summarize or ask questions on. So imagine if you were a doctor and you had a 5,000 page encyclopedia and PDF and you don't want to go through the internet training that it had, you wanted to know what's in that PDF. So with that, you can connect it to that PDF and ask questions on that particular PDF. So these things, most people don't know outside the technical committee and that's what propelled me to start writing this book. So that's the first section. Important to note, I've also covered the ethics of it, which is you know, trying to address the problem head on because that's something that is being discussed. It's very important out in the industry for, the, for some obvious reasons and some not so obvious, which have to be really tackled, which, uh, you know, in fact, even the experts who design this don't know how to solve for some certain reasons. And I can go through them. Then the second section is purely examples, where I use ChatGPT to demonstrate for different types of users, students, teachers, doctors, artists, and so on, on uh, how to use it. So the way I structured them was uh, start with a few examples, specific examples, then give certain examples for users to try it, one real live example or a small conversation between a user, that particular type of user and ChatGPT, and some exercises that users, if they're willing to put the work, they can do those exercises and learn it in a way. There's not much to learn it if you just want to have a chat, right? You just open it. And yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm thinking is um, for the regular users because I know we talked a little bit about teachers and doctors, but I know for me. I can see this, uh, you know, another big group, of course, that would benefit from this are students. Um, because say they don't understand something in history or math or, or language, they could use this as a tool yes. to kind of help summarize something or give a, a background history 
that they can then read. And I think that, you know, at least for me, one of the big pluses of ChatGPT is it compresses time. So for instance, if you have a term paper due, back in the old days, you would go to the library, get the Rolodex out, look up the sources, you have to go find them. But now you can just go to ChatGPT and say, hey, I'm going to be writing a term paper on, you know, the importance of architectural design in building bridges or something like that. And it can give you a list. And I know a lot of my listeners are coaches or people in the healing fields, uh, a lot of writers. So you can just go in and say, make a list, you know, make a list of blog ideas that I can use. Or if you want to write a blog on a certain topic or a podcast, you can ask GTP to write it and then edit it to make it your own. Right. I've done that a couple of times with a couple of my podcasts and blogs is just pop it in there, say, Hey, chat, chat GPT. I want to write a podcast on small goals and it'll spit something out and I'll copy it and then just completely rewrite it using some of their, some of their uh, suggestions and then just completely put it back into my own words. But I'm wondering for something like, say you're a barista at Starbucks. That's probably not the only thing you do. Maybe you're in college. Um, maybe you have grand designs to be an actor or a writer, or you're just a super intelligent person that wants a nice, easy, uncomplicated life, and you love people, and you love making coffee. But why would why would someone like that need ChatGPT? What's in it for them, and how can they use it? Yeah, so that's where I think basically I was hesitant earlier to just call it an assistant, right? Um, it can be used for many different purposes. To me, the the uh, opportunity is limitless. I'm not even thought about for a barista, for example, if he or she has a different problem other than the profession, right? You know, trying to figure out something even emotional in his or her life, they can at least bounce off certain things from ChatGPT. It will have the context because it has such a wide range of context. If they want to prepare for the next stage in their career, if they want to uh, interview somewhere for something else, if they want to just figure out anything, there's so many, you know, so many things that, you know, there's a danger that you might forget your friends or, you know, so it's very useful, but you're right that one of the biggest things it will help people do is make their lives more efficient by one, by saving a lot of time that will immediately open up time for the, for a family or something else you would like to do. So it, and it, then it's up to you how efficiently use that time, but it will open up the time for you. Or you can use that time to just accelerate yourself in the field you're in, even in personal life. Possibilities are truly endless by it being just the assistant. But imagine with the other uses I said, right, that you can use. And I've not even touched the surface, barely scratched the surface because the topic of this podcast is ChatGPT. But AI is much, much bigger than that. And hopefully some curious minds who just started with ChatGPT would 
uh, explore other things. There, this is just about text. There's videos, audio, imaging. There is real world interactions where they can manage control machines with that. They can. Yeah, I mean, we, we can definitely go down a rabbit hole with with right. AI in general. Yeah. Another thought that I had while we were while you were talking is, say you're a mom, and you walk over to ChatGPT, and it's really kind of easy, right? You just chat, you just type ChatGPT into your browser, and then open it up and open up a free account, and then you could say, you know what, ChatGPT, I have a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a twelve-year-old. Can you make a list of chores appropriate for each age level? That would be like a, a really nice practical example on how to improve your life there rather than, you know, having to talk to a hundred different people and, you know, and getting it. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned because that's one of the first few examples I've used in, oh, my, okay. in my chapter called day to day life, where, you know, if you want to do something like that, you can do that. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, so we, we've talked quite a bit about the benefits Um and how how this type of thing can improve people's lives. But I know that there are a lot of people out there listening to this thinking, wow, chat GPT is scary and there must be a lot of risks or drawbacks, you know, with this new technology. So I'm wondering if you want to talk briefly about those and how people can mitigate these risks and drawbacks that they see. Yeah, I'll start right off the bat saying that it's not Terminator. It's not that extreme. It's a very basic, even though it's so powerful, it's a very basic algorithm or program. And some people out there would say, well, this is the baby Terminator though. It was just born. No, it's still not. It's, it, and, and I've cited some examples in my book, clearly telling people how to find that out for themselves. But there are, this is a great opportunity for people to start normalizing this. So it does not remember what it learned from because it broke up everything. So that's something that people should know that anything that was fed, that's what it's responsible based on. So the common problem that we see is biases that are in the real world data, they show up because they were fed into it, not intentionally, but they exist in the world about race, about discrimination shown. That's one of the biggest problems. Mis so for example, mis misinformation, right? People can generate stories, very believable stories and post them. That's a direct misuse that anyone can do. Um, there's misuse where people can plagiarize. Well, not necessarily because there's a technical way, technical reason why it's very hard to detect plagiarism from ChatGPT because it does not actually use direct sentences. It just pieces it together. But coincidentally, actually, it, it might, you know, if you ask it to generate something like Ernest Hemingway, it will take that into context. And it might generate something which, which almost overlaps with what Hemingway wrote. And imagine that for scientific papers and so on. So that misinformation or plagiarism can happen. There is privacy concerns, even though OpenAI took extreme care in not putting in private data. This program can be connected to other things, which may not take care of privacy as much as this was designed with. And, you know, you will have to really, if you're owner of that program or that business, you'll have to be careful that you have taken care of 
either the privacy or consent. One ex real example is if doctors use it. Uh, one subtle thing that I sh should mention is that OpenAI, unless you opt out of it, it will store and use your uh, chats, all the interactions in further training ChatGPT. By joining, by logging in, you consent to that auto automatically unless you go in the data setting, which I've explained in my book, to turn it off. So users, you know, unknowingly, until this is you know really made clear to people, they will unknowingly be talking about personal stuff, private stuff that will be used by OpenAI. Now, I think OpenAI still sanitizes it uh, before it trains because that's the way it needs to be, according to them. That ChatGPT wants should learn the abstractness of things, but not the specificity of certain things uh, and, and many other considerations they have. So they have been very good about that. It's stated purpose, OpenAI stated purpose is to use AI to do good. Uh, so they're very serious about that. But because it's a computer program, because we have most powerful more powerful computers on our desktop than we used to send man to the moon, you can practically have an AI running on your small laptop, which is 90% as powerful as ChatGPT. And that's all you need. You can chain together AIs to beat on top of each other. Uh, there is programs already on the internet which chain together several versions of ChatGPT to get a sequence of tasks done. With the connection with the web, website, you can have ChatGPT access any website, or if you give it credentials, it can access any other private uh, uh, areas if you decide to do that. The plug is, is, is the world is now a different world. Okay, so there are lots of, uh, I've explained a lot of this in ethics and considerations. I'd recommend people to seriously read that. I kept it very simple at a high level just to cover the basic salient points. There's separate AI coverage in my advanced chapters on plugins because then you are using other people's plugins which have their own problems or advantages. Or if you're using ChatGPT to create an application in your programming, then you have to make sure that you are getting the right consent. You're protecting user, your user's information. Even if you're submitting to ChatGPT, you are responsible for it. There's a lot of things that could go wrong if you, uh, in a part of the current regulations, and this technology is so fast, we are in the exponential curve of human growth. It'll be hard for regulations to control uh, or be ahead of these without stifling the innovation. So a lot of things that are serious, but at the same time, I look at it from an optimistic lens and my book has an optimistic lens because it's written for normal people. And majority of those people, or a huge majority would be benign who want to do good for their lives, want to improve, and those other people who is this, this is book for. It's a very optimistic book to open that door for people and tell them it's nothing to fear. Um, so I'm guessing that a lot of people out there are, the, one of the first things they're thinking is that jobs are going to disappear. Writing jobs, teaching jobs, um, this this is going to lead to a huge job loss, which the, then could lead to more homelessness and more economic division, more economic instability. So, how might people mitigate that? Yeah. So first, I will. I would obviously. I I think I don't agree with those statements in the way people think about them, because I, you know, many times people need 
at least I like to do this where I step back and look at a larger picture, longer time horizon. So if you go back when there were horse-drawn carriages and when the car showed up, same conversations took place. But people who learned how to drive a car just transitioned to a different job. Jobs were not lost. And they, those jobs were better paying, higher paying because there was a newer technology involved. And this has happened over and over at every juncture when fire was in, in discovered or when the wheel was invented, all these things happened. Same when iPhones came along or computers came along, word processors came along, typists were out of business, but when they, if they learned the word processing, they were much more powerful typists. So what I think is the jobs won't disappear. It will be the people's choices, the choices they make will make those their jobs disappear. So as they'll, be end, more, they'll be more like a job transition rather than a yes. job disappearance. Yeah, and I have kind of mentioned some of this in the book, but the decision makers, especially, let's say, business people, small business people, I've recommended that they, they retrain their employees because, as I said at the early, early, at the top of this podcast, that personally, the way I have managed my career was always keep business first, the user first, not the technology or the tool. So same, my advice to small businesses or others is don't take this tool as a replacement for anything. Teach the current people because they know about your business. If in a doctor's office, the office staff knows about the patients, the privacy concerns, how to interact with the patients, ChatGPT is not going to replace all of that. If you give this tool to them, they will be much better administrators they will be much brighter, they'll be much knowledgeable, so it will help you. So that's how you can boost everything. So I don't think it's a replacement unless people take the up pessimistic route and give up, which happened, which has nothing to do with chat GPT, which has everything to do with a change. So it's just a change, it's just faster this time. You need to be able to adapt faster. You need to take a step back and look at the broader picture. Because if you look at it too closely, then you cannot see the changes happening. You have to step back and that's when you start learning exponential curves and this is where we are at and this is all very good points all very good points um so what do you think the biggest ethical considerations are when using chat gpt and how can people sort of monitor themselves to keep its use ethical i think i've touched on some some of these points before but the common point that I like to make is ultimately it's not going to be about the technology. It's about going to be about the people. Are they making the right decisions? And I would imagine, you know, if you're, if you are writing a term paper, the, the ethical use would be to use it as an assistant and not use it as writing your whole term paper and turning it in. Again, yeah, to use it as a, use it as an assistant. Yeah, and notwithstanding the other things I mentioned about privacy, about you know biases and so on, I think as humanity, regardless of what progress we make, those things are going to be constant for a long time to come until we get to a stage where we can just biologically modify ourselves to just adapt to everything. But until then, those things are always going to be major questions in any growth curve, any technology curve that are we being ethical? Are we treating people fairly? Are we ignoring the biases? Um, you know, are we you know, carrying people along who are you know, less fortunate? So those things won't change if there's chat GPT or there's some other technology. So I think people- Very well said, very well said. Thank you. 
people should always keep that in mind before they even think about using technology. When they drive a car, they, sh they should t take care of certain rules. It's the same thing in anything else. Yeah, yeah, true. So one of the things that I like to do at, at the end of each of my podcasts is give a call to action to people. So I'm wondering if you would be interested in giving people a call to action today in relationship to chat, chat GPT. Well, that's been besides just jumping down and buying your book. <laughs> you know, that I would never explicitly want to do that because I think my wife just sitting in front of me says that it should be with, from within, not without, uh, which I believe also. So it's for people to decide what will help them start. You don't need to buy my book to get started. You go to chat.openai.com and get started if you're already a little bit familiar with any kind of chatting. So the call to action to me is non-chat GPT related, uh, which is the theme of what I talked about is life's too short to be not optimistic. You know, at some point, every moment people have a fork in the road, every moment of their lives to take a decision versus another decision. And there's no difference in terms of what will happen to the world if you take a pessimistic or optimistic decision. But the probability is if you take an optimistic decision, your next actions will build on top of that. If you take the negative side, your next actions will build on top of that. So my call to action is stay optimistic, be open to these technologies, become part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, so if this, let's say, some of you will discover newer things in ChatGPT. You might be surprised that if you come up with certain guidelines that you can jump in to add to, there's nothing stopping you from contacting OpenAI and so on. My recommendation always is to stay positive and constructive and just be open to ideas because as I said, we are in an exponential path right now and the faster we adapt, the faster we understand, the better we'll be equipped to manage the negative sides of it, right? So contribute to the discussions, your lawmakers and so on, if they are making some regulatory discussions and just jump in. That's kind of my call to action. Very good advice, very good advice. Thank you. Well, Harish, thank you very much for being on our show. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you, it was nice being here and talking to you. All right, take care.